do 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 Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 239, sweetie. Can you believe that? Mm-hmm. Um, what is Zen Parenting Radio? It's a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and me. I'm a logical and practical dad. We discuss transformational wisdom, everyday challenges, and pop culture to encourage laughter, self-awareness, and empathy. We have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 12, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember, sweetie, that our quote, our most important quote of all time, other than be cool, man, is the best predictor of a child's well-being is what? A parent's self-understanding. Very good, sweetie. So on today's show, we're going to talk about public shaming. Um, we're going to talk about a story, very sad story, um, about a young girl named Isabel. And we're going to throw some Brene Brown quotes in there as well. And we're going to talk about some personal fears that, uh, that I have. And maybe you'll join in in the fear talk, sweetie, and how we can work through the fear. You all right with that? I am. I'm so glad that you're okay with that. Um, but first, we can't forget about this, sweetie. Here it comes, sweetie. Let's fart. All right. So why am I playing this song? Because it rocks. Because it's the best Molly Crew song of all time. Because Vince Neil sings it. Yes, he does. Um, so Kickstarter, yay! You know what song you got to find, Todd? What? You got to find. Uh, I was just playing it upstairs. The Princess and the Frog. Almost there. It's called Almost There. It is. All right. And the reason you have to find it is because we're almost there. We're not there, so we still need you, but we're almost there. I'll look for it while you explain what Kickstarter is. So Kickstarter is our campaign for our Zen Parenting Radio Conference 2016. That's March 11th and 12th, and we are having it here in Chicagoland. And we have Dr. Shafali Sabari, Dr. John O'Sullivan, and Dr. John Duffy. And other special guests that have already we're working with right now. Mm-hmm. And then Todd and I are doing a pre-conference workshop on Friday. And it's just going to be really great. And it's just going When to, is it? I already said. Say it again. March 11th and 12th, 2016. Okay. So this Kickstarter campaign is to... Um, ensure that we get our community together, getting the word spread, getting people to buy their tickets, getting our sponsors and vendors. And for an, it's an opportunity for people who listen to this show, who want to give back to this show, um, you can you can donate to the cause. Mm-hmm. So um, if you go to zenparentingradio.com and you click on events, you'll see it there. It's on our Facebook page. You can also subscribe to our newsletter. And if you do, then you'll definitely get information. And um we have some backers. What's a backer? A backer is somebody who either bought their ticket, donated, or became a sponsor or a vendor. Mm-hmm. And so these are the people that are supporting the cause, and they're going to be treated very kindly. Um, everyone's going to be treated kindly. but Especially these, these people. <laughs> these people are getting special attention from us because they are partnering with us to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only are we... During this campaign, let's see, we have 18 days left, 17 days left. Give or take. We're giving them special podcasts. We are giving them special uh, resources. We've kind of got this group together, kind of like our virtual retreats, where we're offering them information as as 
a thanks for supporting us. Right. Um, and also the people who bought the tickets who are going to be at the conference, they're also going to be recognized as backers and they have VIP um, seating and special access to all the events that are going on that day. So if you think you're going to come to this conference, I highly recommend you get your ticket now. Now, now or never. Number one, because then you've got that covered and you don't need to worry about it next year. And number two, because you get all the perks that can come with it. Whereas if you get your ticket next year, you're just getting a ticket. Mm-hmm. So why not just get her done? Get her done. Um, okay. So did you find Almost There? Uh, yeah, I think I did. Does it go a little something like this? I got to see this movie. It's the best movie. No, it's not. Star Wars is the best movie, sweetie. All right, you ready? I am ready. Um, first of all, the fact that you haven't seen Princess and the Frog. I'm working on it. It's, it's on the list. And I, I don't know how everybody feels about that movie, but I loved it. It's on the list, I love that firefly named Ray. Yeah, and there's an alligator in there, and uh, there's a bunch of other creatures. There's lots of creatures. It's okay. on the list. So Jennifer F. is one of our backers. Thank you, Jennifer. Rochelle Sana is one of our backers. Thank you, Rochelle. Amy McClary is one of our backers. McClary's. McClary. And then um, one of our sponsors for this event is Hunter Clark. So Hunter because Clark, uh, we talked about her before. She's we? Well, she's been a partner on our show before. She has. And I want to um, give her website out so mm-hmm. everybody can have HunterYoga.com. it. HunterYoga.com. HunterYoga.com. She's a sponsor of the Zen Parenting Radio Conference 2016. Mm-hmm. And she does yoga, mindfulness, um, and it's especially for moms. Put it this way. If you like us, you'll love her. Yes. And so you want to at least check her out because not only does she have an awesome newsletter, but she also does some ver- retreats of her own virtual retreats. So it doesn't matter where you live. So connect with Hunter. You'll be hearing a lot more about her um, because she's connected to us through next year. Yeah. And if you want to be a sponsor or a vendor or something like that, uh, get on there. Do you have anybody else to thank? Um, I think that's it for really? now. It yeah. seems like a shorter list, but maybe. Well, it... it it is because we're doing the show earlier than we usually do the show. That's true. We, we're missing yes, a few we're days. we're missing a few days. So, But that's one, two, three, four, five people. Okay. That I, so that's thank good. You. So thank you, everybody, to our backers. Um, like we said, jump on now. Um, we have about, I think, seven. When you listen to the show, it may be more like 17 days. Um, but we're almost there, and we need you, and we really want you at the conference, and we really want your... We really appreciate your support. We sure do. Um, So uh, before we get into the bulk of the content of the show, I do want to thank one of our official Zen Parenting Radio podcast partners, uh, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Dr. Kelly adjusts me and Kathy and our three daughters. Uh, She's based in Elmhurst, Illinois. She is actually having a special for the month between June 16th and June 20th, sweetie. They're going to do a frozen themed week. Oh, I love it when she does the frozen theme week. You want to know why? Let it go. Yes. Because of that? Because you go in and the movie's on in in Dr. Kelly's office and they had snow cones. And they're doing that again. Yay. Snow cones and they're raffling off a gift card to Oberweiss. Awesome. So, anyways, check her out. Um, and the website is tree of uh, sorry chirotree.com. Um, and the number is 630-941-8733. So here we go. Um, 
you brought this to my attention, sweetie, because it was on Dr. Shafali's blog. Well, yes, and it had made national news. Okay. Um, Dr. Shafali posted it, and she and I and a few other um, people that we work with were talking about forming some kind of hashtag to kind of spread the word. So for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, okay. let me give the, okay. the nuts and bolts. Okay. There's a girl, a 13-year-old named Isabel, um, who's from Tacoma, Washington. She died by suicide after jumping off a highway overpass on Friday, May 29th. Um, days before, her father reportedly punished her for an unspecified transgression by cutting off her hair and uploading a video to YouTube. Tacoma's News Tribune reports that the girl, who they don't identify by name, exited a car and jumped off the bridge. She was taken to Seattle Hospital when she died on Saturday. Uh, the original 15-second video that is supposedly Isabel, supposedly, uh, filmed by her father, has been removed, but her friend uh, taped, po- it. taped it and, and, up and reposted, reposted it. it. Uh, the video opens with a shot of a short-haired girl in a black T-shirt staring blankly at the camera in what appears to be a garage. And, quote, this is what the man says, uh, presuming his father. The consequences of getting messed up, man, you lost all that beautiful hair. A male voice can be heard saying from behind the camera, the video pans down where long locks of black hair are scattered on the ground. Was it worth it? Question mark. No, she responds quietly. How many times did I warn you? He asks. A lot, she replies, barely audibly. After Isabel's death, a blog called Tacoma Stories claimed that the public shaming led to her suicide and constituted abuse. A Facebook page called Justice for Isabel is filled with calls for her father to be criminally prosecuted or else publicly shamed himself. So let's stop there. Okay. What do you think? Well, I mean, gosh, there's so many different places to start. Let me just start with, let's take Isabel out of it for a second and just talk about public shaming. We've done another show about public shaming. It's a really interesting... um, Thing And I guess it shouldn't be uh, such a shock in this age of social media and wanting to be noticed. Um, but really what public shaming is, especially when it comes to our children, is like using our children as the uh, either the butt of a joke or using them to demonstrate how powerful we are. Mm-hmm. It's really an ego-based um, decision to say uh, – and sometimes – and some people will say, well, no, I only put stuff out there when my parent when my children make a mistake, so it's not – you know, I'm not showing my power, but really what you're doing is you are kind of making fun of them and asking other people to join you mm-hmm. in making fun of your child. And even though I know many of you, because, I, I, you know, I sometimes blog um, and I don't do it very much anymore, but I'm a blogger. And so I know a lot of uh, other bloggers who, you know, blog about their children and who make comments. And I it, it's kind of this really fine line um, between sharing a story and making fun, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, yep. and and only it's it's some, it's difficult for me to explain in words what the difference would be. I think we only know internally based on what our intention is. Um, in this experience with this, it, like you said, it's all supposed. But if this was her dad, basically he was trying to show people that he knows, I guess, that whatever this girl did that he found unsuitable or not okay, that she paid the price of getting her hair cut off right. and that it somehow made him um, demonstrated to himself and to others that he was in control. Mm-hmm. And so do you see all the pieces in there that are a challenge is that 
when it, the whole idea of shaming our children um, makes us think that if we do that, then they will follow rules. Mm. And if you guys listen to this show, you know that really the whole shaming and guilt and fear thing really just causes them to feel more shame, guilt, and fear. It doesn't change their behavior. Right. They just learn how to not demonstrate behavior in front of you. Mm-hmm. What they learn is that they are afraid of you. Right. They learn that you are not someone that they can trust. They are. They learn that if they make a mistake, you are not the person to go to. And they learn that only pieces of themselves are acceptable. Right. And so unless they are acting exactly to according to the plan that you would like to see, that they are not enough for you. Um, well, one is a quick resource I want to share is we did a show about public shaming. It's at Zen. It's called Have You Shamed Your Kid Today? Question mark. You are not alone. ZenParentingRadio.com slash 117. So in case this is an interesting topic to you, we have spoken about this. And here's the thing. We're going to keep talking about this until we feel like it's no longer topical. Right. But the bottom line is it's still topical. Um, So I agree, obviously, with everything you just said, sweetie. It's also important to note that this is one tiny fraction of this little girl's life. Right. So we don't know anything other than what I just read. So I think it's important because it's so easy to be a hater. It's so easy to to throw judgment at this dad. Um, And, you know, even on these comments and blogs and all that people uh, it's so easy to call out for this guy to be well that we're basically then turning all of the discomfort and hatred that we have about so now we're, let's publicly shame, shame this man this guy. so like there's the page that Todd mentioned, the Justice for Isabel page. I don't think that's doing much good. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on the page for about two minutes and jumped off pretty quickly because really what it is is it's a public forum for everybody to rip this guy apart. Mm-hmm. And while I think that, of course, he's going to have his own consequences, um, obviously his – think about, let's think about it this way, you guys. Even if this guy made some really poor choices, um, maybe choices based in how he was raised. Yep. Maybe they didn't have social networking when he was little, but he could have been shamed by his family. He may have been using the same skill set that he was given. And I am, without knowing this person, I am positive that this is not the intention that he had. No, unless he's a psychopath, which he 99% isn't, he probably was doing something- That he thought would be helpful. We we have, uh, let's put it this way. We have different ideas of what discipline is, how it looks, what good it does. You and I have a. Di- it's also safe to say our form. You know, we don't really use the word discipline, but our form is a lot different than this guy's. But the bottom line is, I believe this man, even though I've never met him, don't know anything about him. His intention was not was for the long term benefit of his daughter. I know that sounds crazy to hear, but he probably thought, <clears throat> excuse me, that he was doing something to guide her. And was also trapped by his own ego and his own discomfort with maybe her breaking a rule, with his own discomfort with feeling out of control. Remember, there's a very ego-based thing going on here. And and those of us who decide that we're going to put all of our anger on this one man, we're not looking at ourselves. 
We are instead turning this whole story into one person. And while this person is going to have to deal with his own consequences, this is an opportunity for us to look at our choices. And maybe we're shaming ourselves. Maybe we're shaming our children. Maybe we're shaming our friends, our relatives. Who are we doing this to? And we're going to play a clip by Brene Brown. It's a conversation between her and Oprah. But the one thing I want to say before we get to that is that um, one phrase that helps me become less judgmental in times. Because believe me, there's a part of my ego that wants to publicly shame this man. And that doesn't do anything. And the phrase that helps me is hurt people, hurt people. And what that means is people who have been hurt in their past by their parents, by their teachers, by life, they internalize that pain and that hurt, and then they express it outward. They spread it around. So... Loving people, it's not, you know, loving people hurt people, hurt people, people who have been damaged. So it's its more of an insight or it's a doorway or a pathway towards empathy, that mm-hmm. phrase. I think it's just a... In, well, and, and the belief system that we're going to hurt this man enough to make him see his wrongdoing. Are you gonna, kidding me? He's, he's seeing it. Same exact thing as this guy did to his daughter. Like, if we do that to him... Yeah then it's the exact same, not the exact, it's similar to what he's doing to his daughter. And, you know, the whole concept of forgiveness is really about, first of all, recognizing what's going on in yourself and what that brings up in you, and then releasing that from yourself, Mm -hmm. all that anger you're carrying, so then you can spread love to other people. Because non-forgiving behavior is I'm going to carry this hatred. I'm going to carry this anger. And I, again, regarding this Isabel case, I saw so many people say, well, see, this is the thing that's unforgivable. We'll never forgive this man. And again, it's that misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. It's not about letting someone off the hook. It's not about saying, oh, what he did was fine, or let's not talk about it. It's if you carry around the hatred that this whole situation created, then you become a part of the problem. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to clear. You've got to be able to have your tears about it, be frustrated about it, talk about it, be angry, and then you have to release well, gently every day. We have the um, luxury of distance. We don't yes, know this man. We don't, we don't know, know him. Know. If I was this guy's next door neighbor, I might um, want to you know, publicly shame him more. But the fact that I don't know this guy um, makes it easier for me to... It sounds weird, but send him love because his daughter is gone. Even if he had uh, something to do with it, he still lost his daughter. Exactly. And I kind of feel like if I was his next door neighbor, I'd want to go over and give him a hug, not to say that he didn't have any role in this, but because I can't imagine the pain this man is feeling. Um, And Can you imagine the pain? No, I can't. And I can't imagine the pain that the girl was feeling when she was being shamed. And I can't imagine the pain that she must have experienced before she got out of that car. It's a cycle. It's a vicious cycle. So let's have empathy for everybody involved Mm -hmm. instead of deciding that there's one bad guy. We are a very black and white society. We like to take everything off of ourselves and put it on somebody else. We like to say it has nothing to do with me. It's not my fault. It's this person's problem. And once we start to recognize that every single thing we do plays a role in the bigger picture, that's our power. And then we recognize that we can take a tragedy like this and we can learn from it. Exactly. Can we use this story 
And, you know, maybe we're not publicly shaming our kids on Facebook, but maybe we're doing something else that is shaming towards them. Well, you know, it's kind of like when people talk about if you see someone in Target or Walmart or just out on the street or at a park, you know, yelling at their child or, or being like physically abusive to their child. Can you imagine what they're doing at home? Yeah. Whereas people who point their fingers at people who do it in public sometimes do it behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. So we have to be able to look at ourselves and say, not be shaming toward ourselves, but allow it to soften us yeah. instead of become harder about it. Yeah. And um, and so I wanted to finish the point I was making at the very beginning. Um, like I said, Shafali and, and some other um, like-minded coaches and such, we're trying to come up with some kind of positive hashtag instead of a shaming hashtag um, to keep spread the word. Because what this really is about, it's not perpetuating this story. It's about educating people about that shame doesn't work. And that we, it's an old, old, it's it's an archaic parenting tool that, well, I don't even know if it's archaic yet, but we're trying to make it that way, um, where we can start to recognize that this is an old way of doing things, that making your child feel like crap about who they are is not going to get your needs met or theirs. Mm -hmm. In the short term, they may stop a behavior. In the long term, they have integrated a sense of uh, discomfort and hatred about who they are. So you got to think long term. Right. Okay. All right. So um, I want to play this Brene Brown clip because I think it's useful and we're going to talk about it. But first, I want to talk about our second partner, John J. Kelly. He is our dentist, our family dentist. He lives on the north here. His office is on the northwest side of Chicago. Um, comprehensive dentistry. So it means everything under the moon he does as far as dentistry goes. His focus for our children are a focus on airway and facial development as they get into the braces stage of their life, airway and facial development. So he is very good at what he does. I encourage you if you have any children, um, pre-adolescent or whatever, uh, give him a call 773-631-6844 and it's chicagodentistonline.com. Okay. You ready for Brene? Mm -hmm. All right, here we go. So men and women who had high levels of shame resilience, meaning they could totally acknowledge and move through shame without jeopardizing their authenticity, had four things in common. The first was they know what triggers shame for them. They know what the triggers are. Like for me, I know what the triggers are. I have stuff around motherhood and balancing work. I have stuff around appearance. Secondly. So let's start, let's step there for a second. Um, I don't know. I have to think about that. What what triggers my shame? I, don't, I mean, not that you have to figure it out for me. I know it triggers my shame. I mean, and it's do you know several what triggers things. mine? Um, yeah, disappointment. Oh, disappointing people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what you want to share yours? Um, I, I'm trying to think if I can summarize it in one word that I think what I have to say is more important than what other people have to say. Got so it. anytime I say something and and this can show up in someone disagreeing with me. And it's not just about my professional life. Mm-hmm. It's in my opinion about music or mm-hmm. my opinion. It could be very minor things or that I didn't give someone else enough time to talk about it right. or someone seems bored with what I'm saying. It puts me into a, a cycle of um, – You're not good enough? I'm not good enough. Yeah. So, Or I'm, I'm too – I'm not – what's that word? I can't come up with it. I'm too – I'm not being small enough. Got it. I'm not letting... You need to dim your light. I need to dim 
Yeah, you yeah. Need to like dim your light. you know, Kathy, you're trying to take up too much space. Got it. Got yeah. it. Very good. So if you're listening and you're not driving, pause it and think in your head what triggers you because it's not an easy question to answer. Mm-hmm. At least it isn't for me. Maybe mm-hmm. it's easy for you. Well, and again, those things that we just said, disappointment and feeling like you're taking up too much space, which is a very feminine thing because mm-hmm. women are taught very early in roundabout small. ways to be small, right. is that that does show up in motherhood, that does show up in body image. That so it's not just one thing. It's like an all encompassing feeling. Yeah. Yeah, and and to your point, mine is uh, disappointing people, whether or not they're loved ones or acquaintances. Right. I just can't deal with that. And we're going to have a discussion about that at the end of the show, anyway. So, um, here's she just started saying number two. So here you go. Huge skill. You can reality check them. Three, you reach out and share your story, and four, you speak shame. She kind of rattled right through those things. But what she's trying to say is these are the things that make people shame resilient. Number one, you know what your triggers are. Uh-huh. So you're aware when it comes up that you're going to get a doozy. Right. Um, number two, you I, – I got the last two. You speak shame. Um, you you share it with someone you love. What was the second one? Uh, I'm going back. Work. I have stuff around appearance. Secondly, huge skill, you can reality check that. Reality check it. What does that mean? That means that in a moment, I'll just use my own, when someone's kind of like, oh, what you just said is ridiculous, Mm -hmm. it's this, Mm -hmm. that I can in that moment take a breath and I'm going to have the shame cycle come up like what you think, Kathy, isn't true. And then I'm going to go, well, wait a second. Why does this person's opinion matter more more than mine? So just look at it. It's reality checking it. Yeah. And then she's going to go ahead and kind of describe these in uh, more fully, I think. But okay. let's listen to it anyways. Three, you reach out and share your story. Okay. And four, you speak shame. Mm-hmm. So just to boil <laughs> it down, it's three totally counterintuitive things. Talk to yourself like you talk to someone you love when you're feeling unworthy. How would I talk to Ellen and Charlie in a moment of unworthiness? Would I ever, I mean, I would say to myself, God, you're so stupid, Brene. What were you thinking? I would never talk to my kids that way. Talk to yourself like you talk to someone you love. Now, pause it right there. The one uh, disconnect in this, in this man, is that he was shaming his children. So we talked about this before yeah. the show. It's it's it requires a little bit more explanation. Well, so for Brene's example, you know, like I, she's saying, I talk to myself so negatively. I would never talk to children or loved ones that way. Some people don't have that barrier. Well, what I was going to say is, I'm willing to say that you and I, and this may come out sounding boastful or Brene is more in alignment than this man was. Well, and again, let's say it a different way. Instead of that, oh, we get something he doesn't get, we have built that tool up over time where we have a barrier of I know – because – and again, I can only do this visually because I can see it – is that I have limits – of where I can go negatively, Mm -hmm. meaning, unfortunately, in my own head, I can be really negative toward myself. But when I start to get really upset with my kids, I have a a wall that comes down where I will no longer go past a certain point. And this man did not have have that. He didn't have the wall. He doesn't have his, his... the length of his anger was so it was extending and extending and he couldn't put a wall around it. And I think a lot of people that I talk to during presentations, when I talk about these things that we talk about on the show, they'll say, but I get mad. I don't want to be patient. They haven't 
built up that muscle. Mm -hmm. And so they think it's impossible. But because it is a muscle, it's a practice. Mm -hmm. So you have to practice it. And all of a sudden, that wall, that muscle becomes stronger and stronger and stronger, where you would never step over that line. Yeah. And in this example, the wall is a good thing. I always think of Pink Floyd's The Wall, where the wall is where he kind of shuts out the world. Yeah, let's come up with a different word, because wall can be, it's like a barrier. Mm -hmm. It's a protection. Protection. A shield. A shield. Beautiful. So it's a shield that protects you from doing something stupid and dangerous and dangerous got it and the practice of mindfulness and all of these shame tools mm-hmm. that Brene is giving us you know reality checking and you know talking to someone about how you feel that decreases the the possibility of you stepping over or moving through that shield or yeah. not or you know what i mean yeah it increases the shield yeah. is what it does. It's strengthens protection. It. Strengthens your shield. But if you are unaware of your shame, you think it's all about your kids. Yeah. You think if they would just be so great, then I would be great. If you do not talk about your shame, and as Brene Brown says, the less you talk about it, the more you have She's it. She's going to talk about it right okay, now. Okay, go ahead. Reach out to someone you trust and tell your story. Shame cannot survive being spoken. It needs three things to just absolutely grow exponentially. Yeah, that's why secrets really intensify the shame. And you're you're as sick as your secrets because when you're ashamed, you keep it a secret and that just sort of festers and ends up really overwhelming your life, the shame. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But when you release it, that's why all those years on the Oprah show when people come on and share things that they never shared with anybody else, you leave and you feel freer. You feel unburdened by some of it. Yes. Absolutely. It, that, that what's, secrecy is one of the three things. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. Those are the three things shame needs to grow exponentially in our lives. The antidote, empathy. It cannot survive being spoken and being met with empathy. How's that for a mouthful? Well... I mean, and that's it, is that the more, and this is always hard for people because it throws their defenses into high gear, is when I say what you judge people about. You're judging yourself. Is there something in it that connects to you? And I still struggle with that. I believe it, but, and sometimes I'm I'm in alignment with what you have to say. And there's other times I'm like, what does this have to do with me? Well, let's use an example that I think you shared on the show that you talk about is sometimes when Todd and I go to, and it doesn't happen very often, but when we go to kind of a frou-frou-y mall, like a mall that has really nice shops. Yeah. Really expensive. A lot of people showing off their their, Rolexes. But see, right there, you're assuming they're showing off their Rolexes. Totally. Why? Why do you think that? There is something deep in you that thinks if people have to spend money on stuff, then there's something innately wrong. Yeah, with one that. of my things, one of my triggers uh, is, and it's my stuff, is entitlement or when people think they're better than somebody yes. else. So you got to. So some rich guy walking through a mall or some guy that drives up in his Lamborghini, there is a part of me that says, who is this guy and why is he such a. Why does he have to show everything off when he's walking through the he's mall? He's walking through the mall with a nice watch. Yeah. What the hell do you care? Right. You know, it's kind of like, and again, he may have his own ego issues, but why is that something to dislike him about? Well, and what's funny, like, and we'll talk about like, if I see, you know, some 50 year old woman walking through like a mink, walking through the mall with a mink fur coat or whatever and all that. And my brain goes to a kid in Africa who's starving and this, and I'm totally making stories up yes, in my head. Yes. And that story is, does that woman really need that 
$20,000 mink? Or can she give some of that to that kid in Africa? And the this is water thought would be, for those of you, the David Foster Wallace, this is water, get out of your head, think differently, is maybe that woman with that coat just donated a million dollars to Africa. And I you don't, don't know. know it. Yep. So for us to point fingers and say, that person is so not like me. I am so much better than that person. There's something in you, Todd, where you feel... Less than. You, you feel less than. than or more than. There's, It's both. It's like in that situation, you feel less than, but there's part of you that feels better entitled than too. Yeah. So, and there's part of me of that course. has that. Well, you on the show a lot, you say, I just kind of stopped you when you said it. Well, I don't want to be boastful. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about who you are and what you do, why is that boastful? Yeah. I, I've commented to you about that a few times after the show. I'm like, why do you frame it that yeah, way? Yeah, why do I d- because. Uh, the, in, it. the intention and the intention is never to be boastful. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to come on the show and be like, "Oh," because well, my whole thought is, "Don't be like me. Don't be like Todd. Be like you." Mm-hmm. And that's the message that we're spreading: yeah. is be like you in a compassionate, empathetic, kind, based way, which is really who you are. Mm-hmm. So there's no boasting involved, right? And uh, just to kind of dive into that example is, you know, I I um, dampened you dampen what my what my role is as a father in comparison to this guy when I think it's fair to say that I'm a little bit better dad than this guy is. You have skills. You have a bigger, thicker shield than he does, but it doesn't mean you're a better person. Yeah. It just means you have tapped in yeah. to the essential goodness of yourself. Yeah. And he was born with it, but he can't reach it. Yep. But unfortunately, this tragedy may wake it up and, you know, he may wake up to it because you want to know some of the people that I've learned the most from Mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, we, you and I have seen many documentaries, not just one, but I'll use this as an example. Um, The documentary, The Mask You Live In, they focused a lot on men who were in, um, who were on death row, who were facing their own death because of the choices they made early in life. And these men had become deeply self-aware and understood their darkness, understood why they did what they did, understood what they needed was connection. And so for us to say, well, I'm better than you because you're in prison, mm-hmm. I don't think so. Right. I think that they just were disconnected yep. from their essential goodness when they made that choice. Right. And I say it all the time, but the Maya Angelou quote, anything that is of a human is of me, yeah. meaning that we can't sit here and point fingers. Now, when I say that... <clears throat> See, what that I'm, means is... but So there's a part of this man who publicly shamed his daughter inside of me. Not, it's not that literal. It's that if a human being can, can do, do that, this. any human being could do it. We think about... Right, but I would never do because that. Because you were given... You have worked in your whole your whole life. You were given tools early on. Mm-hmm. You were also given some challenges early on. Sure. But, but there but was a piece of you... Mostly I was surrounded by love. By love. Yeah. And you built that up in yourself where you understood who you were. You had a tolerance for, for difficult, you know, for challenges. You had resilience. Mm-hmm. And you were able to see that love was the most important thing. And now your whole professional career is around that. Right. So you get to practice it all the time. This man may have started with some really good things, but he may have been handed a lot of bad things. Dealt a really bad hand. That his brain then believed to be true. Mm -hmm. And even though there was part of him that even after, you know, let's play the game of after he did that public shaming YouTube video, Mm -hmm. he could have gone in the house and been like, what did I just do? What did I just do? Even before the before event of Isabel happened. taking her life. And we don't know. We well, don't, I'm just making stuff and up. And this reminds me of Brian Stevenson, who is an attorney. And we had we talked about him on the show. We saw him speak um, at Family Action Network up in Evanston. 
and he said that um, he believes that we are not our worst act. No. And it's just so easy. And he's talking about, because he works with death row inmates. Someone who people steals. People who have murdered people is not, you know, somebody who steals is not it's a not thief. It's not a thief. Somebody who is, um, uh, what do you do when you cheat on your wife? Who commits adultery. They're is, not an adulterer. And somebody who murders somebody is not. They they were in the moment they did it. Right. But, but it's that, not the does, whole that does of not who they are. does not encapsulate their totality of who they are. And what we do in this society is we make things very clear. Mm -hmm. I am this, you are that, I am going to separate from you. If it be the choices that they make, the color of their skin, the religious beliefs, the culture they come from, we are so afraid of differences Mm -hmm. that, and the irony is, is the reason that we are uncomfortable with it is because we see part of ourselves in it often. Mm -hmm. And we are trying to separate before someone separates from us. Right. So I know those are these all these concepts are difficult, and I want to be clear when I say that the reason I speak of these things is I see them in myself. This is not a, wow, I'm above this. This is, wow, I see when I do this. Yeah. I detect it in myself. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are certain things I judge very harshly, and Todd is the one who gets an earful about it, where I just need to say it out loud. Because you know what I judge sometimes is I judge things like who does this person think they are for saying this? Why do they think that they're great at this? Why? Mm. And that's what my discomfort is. Yeah. I'm pointing a finger at people saying who do they think they are because that's what I say to myself. Who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. And so the pointing the finger allows us to see ourselves better. And why do moms and dads judge other moms and dads? Because we're not quite sure. Yeah. We're uncomfortable. We, it's easy. There are mirrors. Everybody else there are mirrors. And, and our children are our best mirrors. They are. And what that means is they will show you the best part of you and the worst part of you because our right. kids, God bless my three daughters, they drive me flipping bananas sometimes. Sometimes. Hello, banana finger. Hello, banana fingers. Um, but then they all, you know, I'm also in the best mood of my life when I'm around them at other times. And this is the other, this is why children are, and this is a very conscious parenting understanding. It's why they're our best teachers is because we are willing to go through all of those things because of the deep love we have for them. So we recognize the the bigness of love, that it's not all about you do what I say, you know, you follow all the directions. It's I love you when you make mistakes. I love you when you're difficult. Mm -hmm. I love you when you do amazing things. I love you no matter what. And you can use that same exact language and turn it inwards. Yes. You know? Yes. That's really good. I love me when I'm making, when I'm, when I'm mad at myself, when I'm disappointing a tenant at an apartment building. I love myself when... I make a bad choice in talking to my daughter about something. I am so hard on myself. We all are. Well, not we all are. I am. I I know you are. We are. I am the harshest critic that I will ever experience. I know. And it's- I hold myself up to- A ridiculous standard. A ridiculous standard standard that I would never hold anybody else up to. And the first step of working through that is to say it out loud. Well, and you know what? I find that I hold myself up to a strong standard that I I maybe only hold other people up to one fourth of it, meaning, well, yeah, they're an hour late, but at least they got up and came. Mm -hmm. Like I- I would never allow myself that. And I don't think being late is a good example because that's more yours than yeah, mine. I have, an exa- I, have, I have an exception to that because I do. I can't stand it when I'm late and I can't stand it when other people are late. So I hold other people up to the same expectation. So that is like an exception to that rule. Yes. Well, and you're right. And, and there are some things that I 
I can't come up with one right now specifically, but where I am much more judgmental of people. Mm. I probably it, it's probably the same way that I judge myself. I judge them, but a lot of the time I let people off the hook. Like, well, yeah. You know, yeah, they said they'd call and they didn't for two weeks, but at least they called Mm -hmm. and I would never do that. And, but then even that I'm trying to say, well, see how I would never do that when really they probably had a, there was probably a reason and why this conversation is tough is because a lot of people listen and say, you're being permissive. You're not holding people accountable. We can hold people accountable without being angry, vicious people. Yes. I, I have learned to speak to Todd and say, here's where I'm challenged. Here's what I'm not seeing. Mm-hmm. Here's where I'm struggling without being cruel. I have learned to do to say to my friends, I'm feeling sad when you don't do this. It hurts me when you don't show up. I am learning to do these things without being cruel. So I'm not being permissive. Well, and I have a, uh, a society example. Okay. Is when somebody steals a TV out of Best Buy, that doesn't mean that I don't think that he should be prosecuted to the extent they of the law. They have to have a consequence. They have to have a consequence, yeah. but that doesn't mean that this person is just a bad person and he's just right. a thief. Now, hopefully someday our prison system will become a little bit better and uh, what's the word? Help people. Right. Actually help people reform. Yes. Mm-hmm. Instead of what's happening now and it's not, and it's you know it's a matter of time yeah. because the less that we punish ourselves and punish the people around us the less our society will reflect that norm right. see we don't think we're powerful we say well yes this is what i do in my family but the prison system is a whole different thing many things in the world everything is a reflection of our belief system mm-hmm. and so if we start to shift gently and mm-hmm. slowly and start to build that shield of awareness then Everything changes, yeah. but we don't trust that. No. Um, I want to close the show here shortly. Okay. Uh, but first, um, I was going to talk about something else, but this is more just random thoughts that have no connection to what we've been talking about. Sounds great. Sounds um, like it makes perfect sense to put right here. You and I are doing a charity softball tournament yes. in August. And Kathy didn't believe me when, because we're kind of picking our players and... Um, I know some of the people that have been presented as possible teammates of ours. Yeah. And I, you know, some close friends, regardless how good or bad at softball they are, we're going to invite them. But then there's this fringe set of people that we may ask. And I'm like, let's get good players. You know, it's my own thing. I like to be competitive and I like to have good players and I want to win and everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, And I want the husbands to weigh in on this. Isn't it true, husbands or maybe wives, that you can know whether or not somebody is a good or a bad softball player simply by watching them catch a single ball and throwing it back at the person that threw it? Just like that. Boom. You could do it. Because you're like, oh, he's good. I'm like, I've seen him catch. He can't. He's not that good. So I just wonder, husbands or athletes, maybe you know, women athletes, can't you tell very quickly whether or not somebody is a softball player or not? But see, it's your definition of good because... means helps you win the game versus helps you lose the game. But you, well, when I am playing a game, I'm going to be much more serious about catching a ball than when you're hitting Doesn't balls matter. to me and saying, Kathy, go run and get the ball. Doesn't I'm matter. slow. Even if you're not so caring. Then what would you say about my softball playing ability? You can hit well and you can, you are good. Well, but the last couple of times we've played, I've been very lackadaisical. 
doesn't matter. I could still see that you can swing the bat. Even if you're not trying, I could tell it's okay. in there. Okay, so you're just trying to say there's an innate... Second public service announcement. Why this... is that a public service announcement? You just want to get feedback. Oh, I don't even need feedback. I just want to say it out loud. <laughs> Second, you just wanted to win? I just wanted to win. <laughs> is... Um, People who don't know a lot about sports, I'm going to empower you here for a second, or your children who don't know a lot about sports, is if you want to come off sounding like you know what you're talking about when talking about sports, is you don't say the Cubs beat the Sox three to four. Why don't you do that, sweetie? Because you always say who's winning first. Right. And you don't even say... Um, or it's 4 3. Yeah, you say Cubs 1 4 3. Cubs 1 4 3. And you never say Cubs 1 4 to, 4 to 0. You don't say, you say four nothing. Or they won by four. You can say you won by four, but don't say four to zero. Why? Because it's not sports talk. To you. To me and all the other sports people out there, you you can have a conversation with somebody very quickly and you can tell whether or not they're educated in the world of sports by little things like that. By talking like everyone else? By fitting in to- But if I watch a White Sox game- and I understand baseball completely, not the way you do, but I, I am not ignorant to the things going on on that field. Mm. I get it. And I might say they won four to zero, and I'm educated in baseball. Guys, help me out. Help me out. <laughs> you, you may be- That's you, a you, word, nothing. Four to nothing, four, four to nothing. zero. Four nothing. What was the score? Four nothing. You don't say four to zero. <laughs> I can't, I can't, we're so in it. I can't think if I really do that or if I'm just trying to win. The worst is if you say uh, Cubs won, Cubs beat the Sox zero to four. That would be the worst. Right. I don't think I'd do that. Um, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll play with it in my brain. Kickstarter, please support us. We'll read your name if you support us. Well, and you get something out of it. We're almost there. We got, we're at what, 11,400 Something like that. But I want to blow the doors off that yeah, number. Here's the thing. If, if we get to our number, we're going to do what's called a stretch and it's going to extend the possibilities. Maybe we can make this a live teleconference mm-hmm. so people can see it. Yeah. Um, maybe we can have a new speaker. A new speaker. So we, we kind of have our... Okay, this is what we need minimally, mm-hmm. but man, let's go for it. So please help us. If you like this podcast, we, you know, I'm, I'm asking, please help. Please help. Um, and you have three books, which are pretty good. Um, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn, The Power of Self-Aware Parenting. Um, that's my most recent one. And then my two books, The uh, Self-Aware Parent and The Self-Aware Parent too. You know, someone just bought my first two books right. recently. They don't want the third one, sweetie. They want the first was, two. I thought that was cute was so um words of wisdom um it's not about shaming it's about connecting and if you can understand yourself and your children it will go so far in helping them become the person they're supposed to be and keeping you in relationship with them it's summertime sweetie sun's out guns out baby guns out all right uh chat with oh jeremy craft Avid Company, 630-956-1800, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Give him a call. He's a bald-headed beauty. And he's going to paint our house again because we have lots of scratches on the wall. Someday. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.